Chapter Sixteen of Love Insurance by Earl Durr Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Sixteen: Who's Who in England? What's the matter with you? Seated in the lobby of the Delapax on Sunday morning, Mister Trimmer turned a disapproving eye upon the lank Englishman at his side as he made this query, and his question was not without good foundation for the aspirant to the title of lord harrowby was at the moment a jelly quaking with fear fancy meeting you after all these years said poor old george in an uncertain treble come come cried mr trimmer put a little more authority into your voice you can't walk up and claim your rights with your knees dancing the tango this is the moment we've been looking forward to act determined walk into that room upstairs as though you were walking into rakedale hall to take charge of it allan don't you know me i'm your brother george went on the englishman intent on rehearsing more like it said trimmer put the fire into it you're not expecting a thrashing you know you're expecting the title and recognition that belongs to you i wish i was the real lord harrowby i guess i'd show him a thing or two i wish you was agreed poor old george sadly somehow i don't seem to have the spirit i used to have a good point commented trimmer years of wrong and suffering have made you timid i'll call that to their attention five minutes of ten your lordship his lordship groaned all right i'm ready he said what is it i say as i go in oh yes he stepped into the elevator fancy seeing you after all these years the negro elevator boy was somewhat startled at this greeting but regained his composure and started the car mr trimmer and his proposition shot up toward their great opportunity in lord harrowby's suite that gentleman sat in considerable nervousness awaiting the undesired encounter with him sat miss meyrick and her father whom he had thought it necessary to invite to witness the ordeal mr richard minot uneasily paced the floor avoiding as much as possible the glances of miss meyrick's brown eyes ten o'clock was upon him and mr minot was no nearer a plan of action than he had been the preceding night every good press agent is not without a live theatrical sense and mr trimmer was no exception he left his trembling claimant in the entrance hall and strode into the room good morning he said brightly here we are on time to the minute ah i beg your pardon lord harrowby performed brief introductions which mr trimmer effusively acknowledged then he turned dramatically toward his lordship out here in the hallway stands a poor broken creature he began your own flesh and blood allan harrowby obviously mr trimmer had prepared speeches for himself as well as for poor old george for twenty odd and impecunious years he went on this man has been denied his just heritage we are here this morning to perform a duty my dear fellow broke in harrowby wearily why should you inflict oratory upon us bring in this um, gentleman that i will replied trimmer heartily and when you have heard his story digested his evidence i am sure yes yes bring him in mr trimmer stepped to the door he beckoned a very reluctant figure shuffled in george's face was green with fright his knees rattled together 
he made altogether a ludicrous picture and mr trimmer himself noted this with sinking heart allow me said trimmer theatrically george lord harrowby george cleared his throat but did not succeed in dislodging his heart which was there at the moment fancy's seeing you after all these years he mumbled weakly to no one in particular speak up said spencer meyrick sharply who is it you're talking to to him explained george nodding toward lord harrowby to my brother allan don't you know me allan don't you know he stopped an expression of surprise and relief swept over his worried face he turned triumphantly to trimmer i don't have to prove who i am to him he announced why don't you demanded trimmer in alarm because he can't i fancy put in lord harrowby no said george slowly because i never saw him before in all my life ah you admit it cried allan harrowby with relief of course i do replied george i never saw you before in my life and you've never been at rakedale hall have you lord harrowby demanded here wait a minute shouted trimmer in a panic oh yes i've been at rakedale hall said the claimant firmly i spent my boyhood there but you've never been there i what you've never been at rakedale hall why because you're not allan harrowby that's why a deathly silence fell only a little travelling clock on the mantel was articulate absurd ridiculous cried lord harrowby talk about impostors cried george his spirit and his courage sweeping back you're one yourself i wish i'd got a good look at you sooner i'd have put a stop to all this allan harrowby eh i guess not i guess i'd know my own brother if i saw him i guess i know the harrowby features i give you twenty-four hours to get out of town you blooming fraud the man's crazy allan harrowby cried raving mad he's an impostor this is a trick of his he looked helplessly around the circle in every face he saw doubt questioning good heavens you're not going to listen to him he's come here to prove that he's george harrowby why doesn't he do it i'll do it said george sweetly when i meet a real harrowby in the meantime i give you twenty-four hours to get out of town you better go victorious george turned toward the door trimmer lost between admiration and doubt turned also take my advice george proclaimed make him prove who he is that's the important point now what does it matter to you who i am nothing but it matters a lot about him make him prove that he's allan harrowby and with the imperious manner that he should have adopted on entering the room george harrowby left it mr trimmer eclipsed for once trotted at his side say cried trimmer in the hall is that on the level isn't he allan harrowby i should say not said george grandly doesn't look anything like allan trimmer chortled in glee great stuff he cried i guess we tossed a bomb eh now we'll run em out of town oh no said george we've done our work here let's go over to london now and see the pater that we will cried trimmer 
that we will by gad i'm proud of you to-day lord harrowby inside allan harrowby's suite three pairs of questioning eyes were turned on that harassed nobleman he fidgeted in his chair i say he pleaded it's all his bluff you know maybe said old spencer merrick rising but harrowby or whatever your name is there's altogether too much three-ring circus about this wedding to suit me my patience is exhausted sir clean exhausted things look queer to me have right along i'm more than inclined to believe what that fellow said but my dear sir that chap is a rank impostor there wasn't a word of truth in what he said cynthia you understand why yes i suppose so the girl replied you are alan harrowby aren't you my dear girl of course i am nevertheless said spencer meyrick with decision i'm going to call the wedding off again some of your actions haven't made much of a hit with me i'm going to call it off until you come to me and prove that you're alan harrowby a lord in good and regular standing with all dues paid but confound it sir a gentleman's word mr meyrick put in minot may i be allowed to say that i consider your action hasty and may i be allowed to ask what affair this is of yours demanded mr meyrick hotly father cried miss meyrick please do not be harsh with mr minot his heart is absolutely set on my marriage with lord harrowby naturally he feels very badly over all this minot winced come cynthia said meyrick moving toward the door i've had enough of this play-acting remember sir the wedding is off absolutely off until you are able to establish your identity beyond question and he and his daughter went out minot sat for a long time staring at lord harrowby finally he spoke say harrowby he inquired who the devil are you his lordship sadly shook his head you too brutus he sighed haven't i one friend left i'm alan harrowby ask jephson if i weren't that policy that's causing you so much trouble wouldn't be worth the paper it's written on that's right too well admitting you're harrowby how are you going to prove it i've an idea harrowby replied everything comes to him who waits what is it a very good friend of mine an old oxford friend is attached to our embassy at washington he was planning to come down for the wedding i'll telegraph him to board the next train good boy said minot that's a regular idea better send the wire at once harrowby promised and they parted in the lobby below mr minot met jack paddock paddock looked drawn and worried working up my stuff for the dinner the little lismore lady is giving to the bridal party to-morrow night he confided say it's no sense to do two of them can't you suggest a topic that's liable to come up yes replied minot i can suggest one fake nobleman and he related to paddock the astounding events of the morning that sunday that had begun so startlingly progressed as a sunday should in peace early in the afternoon harrowby hunted minot up and announced that his friend would arrive monday noon and that the mayricks had agreed to take no definite step pending his arrival shortly after six o'clock a delayed telegram was delivered to mr minot it was from mr thacker and it read have located 
the owner of the yacht lilith its real name the lady evelyn stolen from owner in north river he is on his way south we'll look you up on arrival minot whistled here was a new twist for the drama to take at about the same time that minot received his message a similar slip of yellow paper was put into the hands of lord harrowby three times he read it his eyes staring his cheeks flushed then he fled to his rooms the elevator was not quick enough he sped up the stairs once in his suite he dragged out the nearest travelling bag and began to pack like a madman mr minot was finishing a leisurely and lonely dinner about an hour later when jack paddock ran up to his table mr paddock's usual calm was sadly ruffled dick he cried here's news for you i met lord harrowby sliding out a side door with a suitcase just now minot leapt to his feet what does that mean he wondered aloud mean answered mr paddock it means just one thing old george had the right dope harrowby is a fake he's making his getaway minot threw down his napkin oh he is is he he cried well i guess not come on jack what are you going to do i'm going down to the station and stop him he's caused me too much trouble to let him slide out like this a fake eh well i'll have him behind the bars to-night a negro cab driver was by superhuman efforts roused to hasty action he rattled the two young men wildly down the silent street to the railway station they dashed into the drab little waiting-room just as a voice called train for the north jacksonville savannah washington new york there he is paddock cried and pointed to the lean figure of lord harrowby slipping out the door nearest the train shed paddock and minot ran across the waiting-room and out into the open in the distance they saw harrowby passing through the gate and on to the tracks they ran up just in time to have the gate banged shut in their faces here cried minot i've got to get in there let me through where's your ticket demanded the great stone face on guard i haven't got one but too late anyhow said the face the train started through the wooden pickets minot saw the long yellow string of coaches slipping by he turned to paddock oh very well he cried exulting let him go come on he dashed back to the carriage that had brought them from the hotel the driver of which sat in a stupor trying to regain his wits and nonchalance what now paddock wanted to know get in commanded minot he pushed his friend on to the musty seat and followed to the de la pax he cried as fast as you can go but what the devil's the need of hurrying now demanded paddock all the need in the world replied minot joyously i'm going to have a talk with cynthia merrick a little talk alone ah said mr paddock softly love's young dream End of chapter sixteen